my new friend. Welcome to the D-Spot. So we have been totally chatting before this started, and I feel like you're like a kindred spirit. I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm so relieved that you're not a total smarty pants. I mean, you are a smarty pants, but I was reading your stuff and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'll be intelligent enough to have a conversation oh with goodness. her, but you are so down to earth oh. and so easy to talk to. Thank so thank you. Thank you. So you own a therapy practice called therapy for black women. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Tell me how, what, what's the inspiration? I mean, I know the visual inspiration, yeah. but like what drove you to this? What, what, what's the, passionate part of why you started the practice so the passionate so um i'm impassioned um about just a set quite frankly really similar to what you created here a really safe space a space yeah. similar to a place where you can come and this is going to sound just a little bit um, and you can just literally let your hair down right where you don't that feel sounds like fantastic explain your experiences yeah. you don't feel like you have to defend them or educate people oh my god or yeah you don't you come out of a space where you you where the onus is on you to um to educate or to be the educator you just kind of get to be and in in whatever space you're in um you i have a a client who cursed and did like this i'm like oh no and these (laughs) laws We've heard those words before. Yeah, you get to you get to stay and be. And when I go see my clinician, I lie on the sofa and lie back. <laughs> and she's like, "You're a therapist." I'm like, "Not right now." <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I'm not aware of the time. No, <laughs> no, none of that. So I wanted to create that yeah. space for my clients, and um, I thought the safest place was a place um, specific specifically for black women and so that's kind of how the practice was born I'm so glad that you're doing that because I think clients are tired of looking at someone who looks like me um I can say that we're in our safe space (laughs) of the podcast right Uh, yeah I think I don't know if it has anything I think really what it comes down to for me and I can only speak for me um is is a space where um there is a practical lived experience mm. where when you talk about um, anti-black racism or when you're talking about a 16-year-old being shot in his head mm. um, for ringing a doorbell and then having vicarious traumatization as a result of now having to look at your own son, mm. um, that resonates in a way that is understood because my son is also black. So I understand what it was like and went through a a period of time, which was not fair to him or me, where I would. So my son is 63. Wow. You're tall. He's he's tall, tall. Yeah. yeah, So he's six foot three and he played like they won. Just to give you some context, they he he, he won all sports and, and track. He they won the, the championship in football and he got drafted to a D one school in basketball. So he's not this little bitty Whoa. So my son is um is large. Yeah. And so I would And he's an athlete. And so he is. Yes. Buff. He is. And so I would I would ask him to stand by me. Like I could really, you know, I would be, I would walk and say, no, no, come over here. And he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> he didn't even understand it. He's like, I got this, I'm like, mom. What are you, what are you, you come over here. <laughs> like I can protect you, mom. And so it was, but it was a, it was a time where it just was, it's still scary. My son is a truck driver now. And so he's always mm-hmm. on the road. And so it's still scary. Yeah. And to understand that in a way 
I don't have to think about it. And so I like, I am a nerd, right? We, we know that I like reading. Um, I like research. I love um, school. Um, but this is something that I, that you, that, that you can't, that you don't find in a book. You feel this, this resonates. A lived experience, Um, like you said. And you can't hold space for someone who hasn't had some, in some way, I mean, we can, in theory, as we therapists, we can hold space because we understand a theory. In theory. But the empathy that is required to like, stand in that scary space with a client can sometimes only happen when you have a shared experience? I, I think, I think so. I think that um, the compassion can certainly exist. And when we talk about cultural humility versus cultural, and I don't really know why we say versus, because I think cultural competence and cultural humility can and should live in the same space. But when you, but so I don't, I wouldn't say can't, I, I wouldn't use the word can't. I would use the word um i think best practices mm. are mm. that's the phrase i would okay. use um because um i do believe that 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 all persons who are capable of empathizing can empathize with with one's plight mm. but i can't know mm. and that's the difference i yeah. believe because how do you guide someone through something that you don't have any experience and you, of. you have no even reference point yeah because we don't learn that in grad school you, they, they don't, don't give us that. that and then how do you how do you teach what it feels like to be discriminated against based merely on the way in which you present i my very best friend in the entire whole world his name is courtney Bodie, dr courtney Bodie. And um, he, I'm tearing up talking about you, Court. And he, um, we went one time to buy a car. And he, you talk about smart. He's the smartest person. He's one of the smartest people I know. He must be super smart because you're like right up there for me of the smartest people I know. (laughs) He's like goobers. He is hugely smart. Mm. And he, um, we went in to purchase a vehicle of his and he and then we walked in and I go court you have your name tag on still and at that time he was like the associate director for um diversity and equity mm. inclusion and the director of the and so he just it's a long name tag. yeah did um, it have on all the and and the letters right okay and so I'm like court you have on your name badge and he was like no I know that's how I have to get respect. Because this way they, they, they understand. Now, this is someone who's, and I so hope it was okay to tell his story. Um, Why would it not be okay to tell his story? I just, Unless I he's upset about it, but he ain't here. Yet. So, oh, so, okay. I, so I so hope. But just to just kind of give a frame of reference of when you talk about race lighting and these and the tropes that just naturally follow, like you don't walk into a room, when you walk into a room, I, I, I'll give give an example. I was checking out at Walmart, hmm. just checking out at Walmart, and the woman said, um, "So you'll be using a food card?" Excuse me. And I go, "No, I won't be using a food card." And so it's just it's just the the what what people have called or referred to as microaggressions. It's the race lighting that 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 you deal with on a daily basis that begins to seep into your psyche and impact your sense of self, the way you feel about yourself, what you even believe you're capable of. And that 
that is primarily the focus of therapy for black women. I deal with sense of self issues mm-hmm. that have really probably more than likely it, it, they originate from some um, some family of origin issues, but primarily they 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 come from um, just imagery and messages that we are um, that that we are inundated with on a daily basis, multiple times daily. Yeah. And you have to be on your game 24-7 to not take some of that. Like, I mean, I love how you're able to say, like, ignorance and, you know, they're just not aware. But that can't, that can't hold space for very long because why are they not getting aware? Why do you have to keep being the bigger person? Why do you have to keep figuring out how to give them the benefit of the doubt? Well, I think, I think it's just, so, I mean, really, to be honest with you, this goes as far back as like, I mean, one of the most revered psychiatric institutions in the world. I mean, like APA came out in 2021 and gave an apology for its complicit, from being complicit for these ideologies. And we could talk about, um, oh my God, um, what is it? His name escapes me for just a, Carl Jung, Dr. Jung, mm. and, and, and his contributions really to the ideologies of inferiority when it comes to black people. Yeah. And so that, it has a history that goes as far back as the as mental, I mean, when we talk about um, tropes in the, in, the mental, in, the, in, in the mental health field, we cannot talk about tropes if we don't talk about the history and how, how insanity was being, it was, correlated with with freedom and and we the the ways to <laughs> the ways to um to ward off insanity was by having a white benefactor preferably a a a um plantation owner that's how you warded off um insanity and these were the mess these were the tropes the written directives from psychiatrists in one of the most prominent um, psychiatric institutions in Washington, D.C. So then you can't, it's almost like this, it's, it's, the fabric is woven into the country itself. So at some point you go, okay, you know, otherwise you wouldn't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, nope, I'm not using the food cart. Why do you, do you think that that plays into historically why I'm not seeing as many black clients come into therapy? Or is that... When you, well, when you talk about us, you can't talk about, I don't think you can talk about when you say you're not seen or you don't believe. Here's what I learned <coughs> in grad school. Let's just be like what they teach therapists in grad school. Because okay. when I take my cultural competent classes, right, back yeah. in the day, it's been yeah. a minute. Okay. But yep. there's this conversation that like there's certain um, groups that don't go to therapy yeah. as often because culturally maybe yeah. it's more prevalent that you would go to your church for support Mm -hmm. or that you go to your parents for Mm -hmm. support or you're fearful of Mm -hmm. an institution like Mm -hmm. mental health. And so I guess what I learned growing up Mm -hmm. in grad school, and you're going to correct me because that's why I hear because you're my friend, you'll make me feel bad, (laughs) um, is that that's what I thought as a therapist Mm -hmm. is that, yeah, of course, I don't, I don't understand every experience Mm -hmm. because I didn't live that experience. Right. But that's not I still have to educate myself. Uh-huh. How how true is that that clients are not wanting to come see a white therapist because there's that would we have to go to a church or we'd rather go to our parents? Like, 
So I don't, so I don't, I have a lived experience as a black woman that has experienced anti-black racism personally. And I don't have, there is no such thing as a monolithic experience. There's no such thing as a know all of the answers. That, I mean, I don't, I don't think that exists. Having said that, religion is another factor that a psychologist pathologized and would, and, and would hospitalize mm. black Americans for. So this medical mistrust is not something that black people just said, you know, yeah. I think that maybe no. There was all kinds of context <laughs> right? of like being tested. And right. not Literally giving, yes. having our, having the, 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 the dead brain, I mean, the brains of cadavers used without any expression or testing or for years without any frankly, compensation, compensation or even permission. So if you donate it or if you're, if you, it's like now I have it on my driver's license, take my organs, right? But that's my- That wasn't level. an option before. Right. And so all, so, so the medical mistrust is not only there, but in my opinion, it's very much warranted. Um, and then in some instances, so you couple the medical mistrust with, with, with I mean, really a lack of familiarity surrounding some of, many of the um, plight with which we contend regularly. If it, I think if it were, and I can't know, but I think if it was something that happened every once in a while, yeah. then maybe it wouldn't you be a big deal. You could shake it off and it right? wouldn't be like a perpetual. But it's, it's perpetual it's, and it's pervasive. And, and it lends itself to, to what they call race-based traumatic stress. Yeah. Where you're... you're um, Adrenal system is almost always in fight or flight, or um, there's another one I can't Freeze. think of it. Yeah, because um, we call it flooded in the Gottman world, right? You that call might, it flooded. Yeah, we okay. call it so this per- physiological arousal yeah. that I'm in constant. My heart rate's over 100 yes. beats per minute. My brain is like yeah, exactly. on. Like, what do I need to do for survival? Mm-hmm. I can't do cognitive. Right, like, no, I'm not doing not a math problem when I'm constantly in survival right. mode. I'm looking over my shoulder. Exactly. Are you a threat? Do yes. I like need to like be on high alert? Right. I can't function those like those ways that I would like to. I can't reach my higher you can, self. You can. And when you talk about self-actualizing, when you're constantly in this adrenal fatigue type mode of fight, fight, flight, and really it's called, so freeze is, is I talk to my clients about it all the time. I can't believe I can't kind of put my, it, it talks about, um, it's, it's called um, some kind of immobility tonic immobility mm-hmm. it's what it's referred to mm-hmm. and so it literally is you you you're rendered immobile yeah. right due to this and so when we speak about this hypervigilance where you're wondering where you're safe you you're you don't have your energies are used maintaining safety and yeah. so self-actualizing or optum or or optum experiences or it's something that that you really have the capacity that you really have the bandwidth for if you're always wondering if it's just like I mean with any other hierarchical need of of Maslow's if you don't meet one rung you don't you know you don't you don't extend to the next so figuring out whether or not this is a safe street for me to walk through. Or not even, not even, not even physical danger all the time. No, but I mean, like, but this yeah. is not, like, this journey of mine is not safe. Right. 
I can't take a take in the view. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I don't see anything other than the safety issues. It's it's, it's well, it's so it because it is um, normal. So it's not as foreign. It is. It is normal. It you is, don't have a compare and contrast. There is no. Con, what, what? How? What would I compare it to? So it would, it would be equally. I'm equally as ignorant of the privilege of living without that mm. as you would be having to live with it. Yeah. I have no context. Yeah. I have no context. So you don't have any. Then you don't even have anything that you're trying to self-actualize no towards well, because no, I, you don't. <clears throat> well, no. So self-actualization is not only the goal, but transcendence. Yeah. So I still reach for that. It's just in an entirely different way than you would. Because mine comes with understanding and knowing that racism is pervasive and impacts every and in spite of that. I tend to, I, I, I strive to self-actualize in spite of it. Understanding fully that it is a part of my experience. I strive towards self-actualization. Yeah. I, I love the way that you speak of it because mm-hmm. I think that I feel your passion. I feel safe talking to you oh, about it. I glad. feel like you really are somebody that has just got this huge heart and wants to create a space for people where they can just... B. I want to read something from stuff I've read on your website. Okay. Because I think it it really, I think it's important to like understand part of like the value system that you have, because I think that's what I admire about you so much. So you wrote, I created therapy for black women to address the unique challenges experienced solely by black women. For we are all too familiar with the quote unquote angry black woman and equally as toxic quote strong black woman tropes. Mm -hmm. These tropes are incessantly perpetuated in the media and impact our relationship with vulnerability, thus the capacity to be fully realized humans. Additionally, therapy for black women helps to mitigate the continued exploitation of black women in search of licensed clinicians who have practical knowledge surrounding what is to be the plight of merely being a black woman. Yes. Girl, this is why I was all intimidated. I'm like, she's super smart, y'all. But speak to that. I mean, this is if if somebody is listening to this and they're like, you're yes, 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 yes. That that's how do they approach then? Because not everybody can come to your practice. I mean, let's you know, we'll multiply you in like a million. And, but how does someone start looking for a therapist to figure out if they understand what you understand so clearly? Um. That's a that's a phenomenal question. Because if I'm just listening to this, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. I have my insurance card out, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. or I'm going to call one of these people, and I'm on psychology today, and yeah. there's four hundred thousand therapists. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what kind of questions should they be asking? What should they do? Well, so I think it's phenomenal now that you can that you can plug in black therapists. Mm-hmm. Like some of the reason why I created therapy for black women is because the world has picked up on the fact that black women want to work with clinicians who understand their circumstances and who have practical knowledge around it, right? And so they're like, money. And so as soon as you type, literally, we like, we could do it. You, you type black therapist into a search engine and you get all of these organizations, all of the, that really, quite frankly, aren't owned or operated by and aren't even populated or, or um 
really serviced by and large um, black people. So it's kind of like um, a bait and switch. Mm. Okay. And so because there's a need, there is and a, we're aware. There is a need. So we're gonna yes. like work the need. Yes. And pretend that we have what you need. And, and it's not, and sell you what we think that, you need. Absolutely. Or and so if we get you in, it's it's kind of like well any. So if we get you in. You can, and that's not to say that there aren't some black clinicians, mm -hmm. but not by and large. No. That's not what the practice, and that's the practice isn't built on that foundation. Um, one of the the um, one of the truths um, I take pride in is that therapy for black women is owned and operated by a black woman, and so you don't have to, you know, you don't have to scatter. Um, you you don't have to look very hard to find a black yeah. woman at therapy for black women. So that is the, the we, we, I I exist for you. Yeah. I am here yeah, yeah. to serve you in particular um, when we when we're speaking to black women. So the way, but you can, but because this need is plentiful. Yes. You can you can go to psychology today and you can use your search menus and you can say black therapist. You can call your insurance company and say, I am looking for a black female therapist in the ages of. Mm. Today is very different. Um, the client is empowered to ask these questions and say that I I this is what I want. This is this this is the criterion in which I'm searching for. And there are teams, there are EAP teams that that call me. I mean, I get emails every day okay. saying, "We are looking for this criteria. Do you have openings and how soon?" Mm -hmm. So we the client is empowered to ask these questions to advocate for themselves, and I um, recommend it. I always recommend to clients too, don't feel like you have to stay with someone who no. did like use your voice, use your boundaries, yes. use your feet. Yes. Right. Like <laughs> right. if you don't feel a connection, that's not on you. No, it's not. And it's, and it is a tell, tell sign. I always say that um, the end result is indicative of the relationship itself. And so if you're always, if it's always this flood, if it's, if it, we're never really speaking the same language. That's not to say that the therapist isn't a very good therapist, and certainly you're a very good client, but it just doesn't mean that there's a mess. And when we speak to the therapeutic alliance, it's these factors that, that must be present if you're going to have this relationship that's so critical to, to positive change. Because what I'm hearing you say is, if you're feeling like you constantly have to educate your therapist about your experience, that's the therapist probably not being right for you. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that. I think that's one criteria that would say I don't know because because this is a space where you don't have to be the expert. You're not. You get to, you get to lay on the couch. <laughs> you yeah, should be yeah. um, in theory, and right? Feel held and feel and seen and feel seen and feel validated and feel understood. Um, I have clients who say to me, well. <laughs> I have a very safe space. So my clients say, um, did nobody tell you to read me like that? Or how do you know? Or how do you? And it's like, well, what one, I've, to I've you. lived it. Like yeah. I didn't, I, this part I didn't read in a book. But even though some of us have lived it, we don't bring it into the therapy room. And I think oh. that that's the gift of what 
I'm learning that you really give oh, to your, because I imagine that the person that you are with me is the person that you are this in the therapy room. Yeah. And yeah. they're the most effective, in my humble opinion, the most effective <laughs> therapists are the same person everywhere they yeah, go, right? Yeah. Because if you, if I feel like you're putting on the horn oh, glasses yeah. and I'm like, so tell me, oh, like God. that doesn't feel genuine. Yeah, you don't feel so seen. Work in my cl- like we, I, I mean, and this is honest to God. I have, I have a client and we, I have, I have natural hair. It's pressed mm-hmm. now, but or it's it's um, straightened, but it's natural hair. So um, I was me- meeting with a client, and she has really she has beautiful natural hair, and she was like, "Oh, you have long hair," and I took it out <laughs> of the. I took it out of the and pulled it all up and uh-huh. I walked around with an afro for that day. And so we talked about hair for the first 10 minutes of the session and we were able and it and it's not like it's not foreign. Yeah. It's it yeah, is yeah. it's kind of like um home in a in a in a my hope yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I want to switch to talking about your book. Okay. Because I want to read your book. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you wrote a book. Let me get. I used way too big of a font. If everybody is not seeing that on uh, the video. Okay. So your book is called "Discovering Self Value." Yeah. Another quote from you because I can't speak as well as you can. I understand all too well the development of an internal working model that views self as inferior. Therefore, most of my life, I attempted to compensate with external accomplishments only to find myself empty. Yeah. I could not have said that better myself. (laughs) That is such the plight of so many of us. Yes. And so that book is, is, is. Really, for all, and when you think about it, you so being so being um, so living in man, so the intersection of identities, right? So living in a world where where you have to navigate being a so for so many years, I, I worked in corporate America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so navigating just being a female in a in a male dominated space, right? Where you're having to put on. Um, or, or like you said, put the glasses on and talk about Fit the role, right? The splicing of the seeds. And it's like, <laughs> man, how do I get out of here? Um, um, it, it, it really, it, we, we talk about code switching. We talk about code switching all the time. So how do you develop a healthy sense of self if you're never really allowed to be yourself? Yeah. And then what about these external, like you said, these external accomplishments really all along? <laughs> doing everything you can to make up the void, the emptiness that you didn't, that you don't have. So you're trying, it's like a suit, I tell people, it's like a jacket. So you're trying to fill it on, put it on and make sure everybody sees that you look the part and and you are so internally, I mean, you're just so almost consumed with aesthetics. Yeah. Um, and how people never, are going to perceive you. And how and so perceived. the suit is managing how people perceive exactly. you. And not only that, or it's like the, it's like the name tag. It's yeah. like I belong. I should be here. You can I, trust me. You can. I can afford it. You don't have to ask me if I'm using a food cart or I guess in a car place at yeah. a car at a car dealership. But I don't know what's the equivalent to a food cart. Well, that'll be a good credit. Oh, risk. there you go. That I'm a good credit risk, right? Because I have a job. Because I have a job and I have letters and I have a good job mm-hmm. and I can afford the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to. But that that is that is the. I think that is the that is indicative of what it is that I'm speaking about having to not really being able to say just me but me with this or me with the Mercedes or me with the 
I don't have one degree, I have five. And then so you start wondering, well, so let's have a chat about <laughs> why it is that you won't leave school? Like what messages? Like what? Me- I mean, I yeah. like school, great, like the rest of us. But what? What are you really trying to prove? Yeah, or, or to stay away from? Or yeah, or 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 what do you want the? How do you want the world to see you? Or do you? Do you want the world? Are to you see hiding you? out in some role that you feel safe because the next step is scary and you're not ready to like right. jump out? Right, all of those things. So whatever. So really, it's a it's a play on words because it's discovering self and then self value. It's, it's it's somewhat of a play on words because most of us, many of us, myself included, I I didn't know that I was enough in and of myself. Um, especially with the messages that I was receiving based on the tropes that were, that were really in that, that the world at large was indoctrinated by these psychiatrists. So it is true. This is true. Um, the, the, like the, 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 the cognitive, um, inferiority is, is documented and, and when none of it was, it wasn't based or grounded in, 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 in um, empirical data of <laughs> any kind. It was just, I mean, literally, I am not even making it up. Insanity was based on the ability to be free. Like, are you, like, really? Then like, give me the option to be free. You know, like in writing yeah. and you read this now and you're like, are you serious? Yeah. So it's just, it, it really is mind boggling. But these are but these are the messages that are um, really that 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 um, I guess it, it's kind of, it, like I said interwoven. When you think of a tapestry, it's interwoven throughout, inextricably linked in some instances throughout our society. So, so then how do you view you? If if this is true, then what does that say about me? And learning. And how do you not continue to validate that for yourself by getting the gumption or the self-respect or the power or to but do even something that, because different? Then you're then you're the, the, the then you're the angry black woman. So there's so that's punitive. Yeah. Or you believe, um, based again on on tropes that that vulnerability is not something that you have the privilege of. You only, you can only be strong. It vulnerability is a privilege, and so learning that no, it's it's a part of the human condition, dear. You can't. That that we we need to unlearn that, or you'll break. You can't. So just 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 learning that you can be that vulnerability and weakness are not synonymous. It's, it's part of the human condition. So all of these messages that we've internalized that has formed our internal working model and um, and and conditions the way we see ourselves, others in the world, has to be reconditioned. A cognitive reorganization must occur if you're going to have a healthy sense of self. You're making me think about lots of things from a clinical perspective that if we therapists have clients that are in this space Mm -hmm. and I'm taught that I'm supposed to help you pursue healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem to work then. Well, no, because, because boundaries aren't really the, it, in this particular instance, it's, it's about how do I recondition 
my cognition to believe that I have a right to cry, mm. to just cry, or just say I'm tired, or I don't have it. Because if you listen to people, people say I got it, like, you know, almost like, oh, no, I got it. I got it. No, I'm good. Are you really? But that will keep you safe? So no, you don't, I don't know if it will keep, no, it absolutely. But it means so that people won't keep coming at you or you won't show that vulnerability? Well, I think that is the expectation. Mm. The expectation is or the conditioning is that you always have to have it when that's not even feasibly possible. But it's certainly okay that you don't always have it. Right. But you don't know that if you don't have the space. Or sense if you've of self. Not been, it, well, a healthy sense of self. <laughs> you can have, you know that, if, I mean, there's a, if you have a distorted sense of self, then and which many of us do, right? Like many, many people have, not everybody has a secure attachment style. There are three other inter- insecure attachment styles, right? Which you write about in your book, Attachment Styles, Bowlby, and some, yeah, all of it. You talk about the intellectual crush. You talk, I'm talking about nerd. We can't talk about Bowlby. I'll get really excited. Like, I could talk with theory with you all day, and there'd be, like, some snoozing happening on the other side of the podcast. But two nerdy therapists together, see what you get. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah, just talking about the, and so your internal, Bowlby does talk about the internal working model and how that, and then Ainsworth, which nobody gives credit, Ainsworth. Um, Mary, yes, Mary Ainsworth <laughs> talked talks of did the stranger um, experiment mm-hmm. right and came up with the way in which how behaviors um, correlated with different types of attachment styles yeah. and how those styles play out in relationships full and throughout adulthood. Yeah, no, we don't. You don't break we don't, free. Yeah, no. So, but we learn. It's, it's you know, a corrective emotional experience. It's cognitive reorganization. That's neuro, um, neuroplasticity is the whole reason for therapy, in my opinion. So, yeah, let me. No, I know. I, I, I hear you. I, I yeah, get, like I we could go nerdy. on. <laughs> I do get nerdy. I, I think that it's, it's just so refreshing to have this conversation with you because I think that we need to have these conversations as therapists yeah. that not everything is in my realm of expertise. Yeah, I no. may not be the right therapist. Yeah, no. We shouldn't promote ourselves, number one, right. as being able to help everyone. No. That we should stick in our lane. Yeah, our scope. <laughs> right? right? And that we should have networks and we should yes. have the availability to like Transfer, run things past yes. each other and to like yes. refer out and have Absolutely. resources. And so I... Yes. I'm so good. You're going to be at the mental health fair. I am. Super excited because yes. you're here in San Diego <laughs> with me. Yes. So where can people find you if they want to know more about you, your book, reaching out to you? Like, tell them. Um, The best place to find me is on my website. Mm-hmm. So it's very simple. It's um, therapyforblackwomen.org. <laughs> so it's, it's just really, really simple. That's the best way to find me. I can be reached via email. Um, I answer my telephone personally. Oh my God, you're a unicorn. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> most, so, side note, most therapists don't always answer the phone because they're so busy. I don't yes. think it's because they don't mean to be nice people. Oh no, God, it is, it is a load, <laughs> um, which is why, you know, I have to bow down to you. You have a full practice with, with multiple clinicians. I'm like, oh my God, how do you even... This how is why I have gray hair, my friend. <laughs> so, like, how do you do this? But, um, but yeah. So, no, that I'm, I'm very easily reached. 
by way of um, email. I think website is the mm-hmm. best way to get me. And your book's on Amazon. And my book is And it, it looks, re- no, super, like, interesting, especially mm-hmm. if you want to nerd out on theory while you talk about self. So, yes. Yeah. When you want to talk about, or you, if you want to, it's not really clinical, I don't think. Well, I like how you tie. Here's the reality. We therapists still have this sense that there's like this woo-woo thing happening. And so (laughs) I am always bowing down to other therapists who are like, no, 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 there's some science. (laughs) There's science to what we do. Oh, it's theory. It is so (laughs) funny that you said that I worked for a place for a short period of time. And there was this, um, there was a coworker um, who, who had worked in, Social services, right? Mm. Like, um, you've worked in the social services field, but but there is actual theory to what clinicians do. It's not this. It's the, it's it's, it's not, not you not and wanting, I going to happy it's, hour, it's writing not, it up on a cocktail it's napkin. Not, it's <laughs> not me. It's not me working in the social. It, it, there is there is theory, and I don't not to mention theory and thousands of hours yeah. of. Yes. And so when we talk about Entrusting someone with your psyche, please, 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 <laughs> find someone with an L in front of them, and like there should be an L. <laughs> <laughs> not a life coach. Does it sound L for life coach? I'm not even going with it. <laughs> not even doing. But it should say L for license. Please entrust you, even if you never come to my website. Entrust that would be your weird. They should go to your website with someone who has a L for licensed. In front of your name. That sounds for legit. I mean, honest to God, yeah. because they're the just residency hours are three thousand. I so. th- and also more important than that is if you, again, there are amazing life coaches, and I'm not saying yes. life coaches, but yeah. What I'm saying is for a licensed person, I think that we have instilled in us the very important task and the differentiation of power that can happen. Absolutely. And that I have to constantly be aware that there are the boundaries of the ethical ramifications. They even talk about dual dual relationships. This isn't. It, it, this is, it's very, entrusting your psyche is yeah. serious. Yeah. And so I just, I believe that we should only entrust our psyches to licensed professionals. Not somebody who, you know, worked in the office. <laughs> you want someone who literally has a, a, a L for licensure. I think that's profession. so important. And it, most it of us are is. very passionate. Most we have of us are. Lots of, we were just talking about before the podcast, the licensing that we oh have to God. go through, the law and ethics. Oh, it's, um, we literally were talking about this exam, <laughs> which is like, you should at least get a vacation afterwards <laughs> on the state. Paid by the BBS. Yes. <laughs> yes, at least <laughs> a dinner or something. <laughs> So. Well, I, I again, I, I feel like you are a kindred spirit, yeah. and I'm so grateful that I got an email from you one day to participate. Yeah. It was meant to be, yes, and I hope was. to have a long relationship with Thank you and you. Uh, to have you on another visit because you have lots of wisdom to share, and I think we just scratched the surface. So thank you, sweet Thank friend. You. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into The D-Spot. Find me, Dr. Dana McNeil, and my guests on social media using the links down below. Subscribe for new episodes weekly and leave a comment letting us know how and if you can relate or what topics you'd like us to cover next. See you next time. And don't forget, going to therapy is cool.